0: Welcome to the Impact Multiplier CEO Podcast. If you're a chief executive or if you think like one and you want to create exponentially greater impact, then this show is for you. My name is Richard Medcalf, founder of x Quadrant. I coach some of the most successful and impressive CEOs and executive teams on the planet and help them achieve even more extraordinary results. Because no matter how successful you've been in the past, there's always a whole new level of impact available to you. So if you're ready to play a bigger game than ever before, I invite you to join us and become an Impact Multiplier CEO.
1: Hi there. Welcome back to the Impact Multiplier CEO podcast. I'm Davina Stanley, and I'm here today with Richard Metcalf to talk about his new book, Hello, Richard. Great to have you again.
0: Yeah, hi, Dab. Great to see you again. Looking forward to getting back into the discussion again with you.
1: Absolutely wonderful. I love your book. I said that last time and I'll say it again. So tell us... I'll give you the check bit.
0: later, don't worry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, dear. Look, I just think that the whole idea of making time for strategy is essential. Making time for everything that's important is is hard and it's... You've got such really good practical ideas for it. So, look, why don't we dive in? So, how do you free up yourself, or how do we free ourselves up from the operational that busyness that we all get caught in?
0: Yeah. So, first of all, it's a question I often get asked as I'm working with executives who are trying to next level their their own uh, results and and their organisations. They do say, look, I need to get more strategic out of the operations. How do I free myself up from the operational details? And I. Have to tell them, I'm afraid you can't. <laughs> at that point, they kind of look at me and, they're like, well, hang on, Richard, I thought you, you could help me with this. What and so I, I tell them, a... <laughs> yeah, I tend to stop them in their tracks. But the, I tell them a story. Uh, a previous interviewee, actually, on this podcast, uh, mentioned that he had become a delegation expert overnight. And uh, I said, well, that's interesting. How did you do that? He said, well, My wife became seriously ill and she went into hospital. And so I dropped everything, delegated everything and focused on her. Obviously that's the most important thing. That's what I had to do. So all the excuses went out of the window. All the reasons that we give ourselves for why we can't possibly delegate went out the window because he had something really, really important to focus on. And so what I love to say to people is look, it's really, really hard, it's practically impossible to free yourself up from operations. But it's actually quite easy, surprisingly easy, perhaps, to free yourself up for something more important. So the point is here that often we don't know, really, what are we gonna do if we have an extra 10 minutes, an extra hour, an extra day in our week? Yes, Yes. What are we actually gonna do with that? How are we gonna create value? Why is it so important for us to have this time? What is it that we would really do And make us go, hell yeah. And so that's the most important thing. The reason most people get stuck in the weeds is because they don't actually have that clear understanding of their highest value activities, the most strategic thing for them to be
1: doing. But it becomes self reinforcing, doesn't it? Because you're so busy, you haven't got time to think to work that out.
0: That's the infinity trap. That's what we talked about last time. Exactly. The infinity trap is that we're running so fast, we feel we're doing what's important. But we haven't really taken the time to step back and think what would be even more important.
1: So how do you work it out? How do you work out what's the most important thing?
0: Well, there's a few ways of doing it. Uh, I'll give you a couple of ideas. Um, The first one I want to say is identify for yourself. What are your highest value activities? And what I mean by that is what are the things that you find fascinating, motivating, um, super valuable, uh, perhaps for the organization. So it's a question of like your own engagement with it and actually the external value that it creates for your, for your different stakeholders. Uh, in other words, put it another way, when you are doing something at work, what are those moments when you're like, wow, that was an hour really well spent, or that was a day where I really knocked it out the park, or that was a, that was a, if you look back, perhaps looking back in the rear view mirror, what was that moment or that day or that, or that thing that you did which was a game changer for you in the past. Um, For example, for me, if I look back, one of the things that I did in my early days when I was at Cisco was I I took some work that I had done at a customer and I transformed it into a piece of thought leadership that could be kind of discussed and and explained to, to anybody, to anyone in the market, any customer. And that piece of work nobody asked me for, but that kind of piece of content creation and really drawing out key insights was a game changer. You know, it, it, for me, it kind of put me on the map. I was invited into customer meetings all around the place. I invite, invited to speak to, in customer forums, etc. because I created this thing. And so I realized that creating kind of content, creating content is one thing that I'm really good at. It's a high value activity for me. It's why I write a book, right? It's why I do the podcast or uh, how I engage with my clients. So for me, creating content is one of those high value activities. Another one for me is connecting with high level leaders. And then another one for me is what I call coaching, which is really just working with people one-to-one or in a small group to help push their thinking. And so for me, those ideas of of creating, connecting, and coaching are my three high-value activities. And Interestingly, they tend to form a circle when you find your three high-value activities because they tend to reinforce each other. So I've actually got, literally on my computer monitor just down here, a little sticky note, I can see it right now, saying content connecting and coaching, right? Those three things Uh, to remind me those are my high-value activities. I'll give you another example. I worked with the chairman of a very successful um, telecoms company. He founded the company himself. And when I asked him what his three uh, high-value activities were, he thought, and he he came up with, I can remember them all, I can remember at least two. One was setting vision. Uh, Actually, I can remember all three. One was setting vision. One was uh, engaging with investors, and uh, and the other one was championing the social cause and, and the broader impact that he felt his company could uniquely make. And those were his three areas. I said, you know, when I'm in those, I'm in my genius zone. I love it. I'm super credible. I can do things that nobody else in the organization can do. Then I said, how much time do you spend doing that right now? And he was like, mm, yeah, know, 10, 20%. <laughs> so, okay, that suddenly there is the game changer. If he could move that from 10 or 20% to 30 or 30% or 50%, things yes. will start to shift.
1: Wouldn't now That's my first
0: recommendation, three high-value activities.
1: Yes, yes. And I hear you saying to listen to yourself and note those moments where you think, gosh, that was what I just, that was such fun. I, I felt so engrossed in what I was doing. I felt such pleasure and reward from doing what I was doing because it felt so fulfilling. So is is it also mm-hmm. a little bit of, you know, imagine somebody who's fairly new in a role that might not yet have that sense in the new role. Is Mm. it a little bit Mm. of a, gosh, I wish I could? Is there a little bit of that?
0: Yeah. And so it's a good point. So the first thing actually is the danger with looking back. I mean, looking back is great because you'll find the themes, but you need to be careful not to just do the things that made you successful in the past. So what you need to do is look at the themes, for example, you know, being highly creative or engaging with people or something. And then you see well. Do I want to turn that into a forward-looking activity, right? Something which is going to help me in the future. Often it's repurposing those same themes, but aiming them at a higher level. So, for example, if you're a great problem solver, well, you probably should be solving your team's problems in your new role, but you should be solving, you know, what's the next level set of problems I need to be addressing, right? How do I up-level those skills? And I think you're right. When, when, there's, um, when you're new in a role, you might not know exactly what those areas might be so first of all you have to kind of start to make a hypothesis uh one way of doing that is just to say if somebody was came in and they absolutely nailed this role what would they be doing like Mm. what would be the three most important things where they spend their time Mm. just getting at your own head rather than looking at your own to-do list and just going okay what does it take to be successful in this role i think will very quickly give you a sense of what those key areas are
1: Mm, yes yeah no i can see that and i think you're right there's a there's a danger in looking back although we should build on what we see when we look back shouldn't we rather than just repeating yeah. repeating history and that's so much easier said than done when looking back we think we feel very comfortable <laughs> because we feel like we've <laughs> been very successful at what we're doing and it's very tempting well, to keep doing that because it's it's comforting isn't it mm.
0: yeah e- exactly and and i think so the, the, these pie value activities are half of the equation, perhaps, in terms of uh, where do you want to focus? You know, What are you freeing up time for? The other half is really what's the breakthrough project? So I call this in the book, I call it your number one improvement project. So the idea here is it's an improvement project, so it's actually going to up-level your capabilities rather than just solving the operational issues. So... Um, I I just say, you know, what's the one project that would represent breakthrough progress? Or what's the one thing that's going to make everything else easier for you in the next quarter or the next month? What's the capability you need to build or the risk you need to get rid of? Or the um, you know, person you need to develop is another form of capability building. You know? So what is it that's going to help you level up your, your capabilities? So I'll give you some examples uh, from my own life and business I guess I could think of three over the last couple of years that have been important. Number one is this podcast, right? At one point, I, this podcast didn't exist. And when I said, well, what am, what's it going to take for me to multiply my impact? Uh, this podcast came out as, as a key thing to do. So it's now happened. We've created it. It's now got over a hundred episodes. Uh, it's got a following. It's created extraordinary conversations with, with, with key leaders for me. It's been great. So that's one example. Another example is, I launched Rivendell, which is my community of high-level uh, CEOs and entrepreneurs from around the world. Again, that didn't exist. And I said, I'm doing lots of work one-to-one, wouldn't it be amazing if I could bring these high-level leaders together and spark off each other? And we did that and it's been incredible uh, this year, it's been absolutely incredible. So that's a new capability that we didn't have in the business just a couple of years ago. And then finally, you know, the book. The book has been a project over the last year. Uh, at one point, it didn't exist. And I was like, well, what, what's a, again, what's a capability? What's an asset that I want to build into the business to serve more people and to avoid having to be me to literally tell people things time and time again? Again, the book came out, <laughs> that's three examples of, of improvement projects that are leveling up.
1: Mm, mm. And codifying and f- synthesizing and finding it easier to help people too, to make it easier for them to get hold of. You know, and, and actually, if you look back at them,
0: they link quite nicely to my three high-value activities, right? The book, Ground Content, Creating Content. Um, the podcast has a bit of creating content in there. And it also has the whole connecting with high-level leaders. Uh, and Rivendell is around that coaching part, right? Actually delivering extraordinary experiences to people. So you see how these link together. But the difference is one is more of the general focus area, the way you should be investing your time. And then the project kind of crystallizes that into what's something I can actually deliver perhaps in the next 90 days that is going to be an investment of my time that's going to pay off in the future.
1: And I love the way you said you wrote the book, correct me if I've got the number of days wrong, but I think you wrote it in a hundred days or something.
0: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, the secret there, that's probably a whole other conversation. But the way, I did, yeah, the way I did that was you've got to be really clear about what you're going to say. And then once you know it, writing it isn't so hard. Uh, okay. So it's all about the outlining. And of course, this is work I've done on my programs um, with many people, with, with clients one-to-one. So these were conversations I'd been having already. So it wasn't inventing wasn't it from scratch, right? I was kind of distilling information.
1: No, absolutely. I I was chuckling on the inside when you said, "Once your ideas are clear, and once you've got your outline, it's actually really quick to write." That's rather singing my song, Richard. Absolutely, (laughs) it takes no time at all once the ideas are clear, does it? So, no. Well,
0: yeah, exactly. The expert,
1: yes, yes. Well, not in your area, but certainly in in the the idea of getting your ideas clear. Absolutely, yes, absolutely. So, you've given us some really useful thoughts there, Um, but where do you start?
0: Hi, this is Richard. I hope you're enjoying this conversation. This is just a quick interlude to tell you about my book, Making Time for Strategy, which is being released in January 2023. It deals with perhaps the number one challenge I've come across in my coaching work with top executives, how to get out of the weeds of operations and make time for the high-impact strategic work that will lead to breakthrough results. If you're serious about multiplying your impact, you do need to elevate your use of time. So I highly recommend that you head over to makingtimeforstrategy.com where you can find out more about the book and download some free chapters. Now, back to the conversation. Yeah, where do you start? So once once you've got that real clarity around... Why is it important? Do you really want to free up time? Is it really something you want to is this a game you want to go on? A game you want to play? And then what am I going to do once I actually have the time? But like those are the foundations we've just talked about. And then yeah, how do you go about actually creating that space to think and to act? Mm-hmm. Well, as I mentioned last time, there are four areas that we need to address. If you like four barriers we need to knock down or, or get over before we actually see that time really free up. And Uh, As I mentioned last time, there's the acronym TIME. There's these four areas. The T is for tactics. Tactics are are important because that is when you get down into the concrete behaviours. Do you have a plan? You need a start point. You need to know where you're starting from. You need to know where you're ending. Like, What's your goal? Is it to free up an hour? Is it to free up a day? A week? What's your goal here? What's actually your goal? And over what time frame? So give yourself a bit of bit of healthy pressure to get it done. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also, do you have the basic habits of workflows in place to manage that infinity of demand coming in for you, all those calls on your time and attention? So there are some really practical things that I see that even very senior leaders, they don't actually all have in place. Mm -hmm. And obviously at that level, your time is so precious, if you end up getting sucked into useless meetings or spending your time in your inbox, uh, it's not a great use of time. As somebody once said, you know, you, no great business has ever been built from the post room. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> I like that. I haven't heard that before, but it's so true. And we get stuck in our inbox so often, don't we?
0: Yeah, and you know, yeah. and, and, and there's all these reasons. I mean, uh, I think Napoleon uh, was famously uh, he famously didn't open any of his any of his mail for three days two weeks or something like that. Uh, I forget now, actually. I think it was three weeks. But a period of say.
1: time, yeah.
0: But, um, yeah, he just didn't read it because he realised that by the time he opened it, it would all be, it'd be solved at that point, or most of it would be solved. And things that weren't solved actually did need his attention.
1: Yes. So, um,
0: yeah.
1: What a great That's filter. You know, a great, great filter. Great filter.
0: So, so, so yeah, So the, this is the tactics stuff, right? So the, the tactics does help us on... Um. I'm making sure we've got the blocking and tackling in place and and it shouldn't be overlooked, but that's not enough. And most people kind of stop there and they go, yeah, I just need another hack. But then once you've got your tactics and your plan, you need influence. That's the eye of time. Influence is so important because uh, unless you get people on board with the way that you want to shift how you operate, you'll kind of get pulled back by their expectations and their requirements. So if you've decided that, you know, that, that report you write for your boss, frankly, it takes far too much time. It's not really adding that much value. And to be honest, you could deliver the same essential facts in a much shorter document, just to make it up. Then you need to let your boss know what your thinking is around that and why it's beneficial for it, for him or for her um, for you to deliver a shorter, more condensed document. And you might have to kind of sell it to them a little bit. Hey, I'm not going to give you all, that, all the long details I used to give you, just a high-level summary, but that's going to free me up to these other projects, which you know I need to get to. Uh, and I think you're still going to get the value. In fact, it's possibly even more valuable because you're not going to have to read as much. So you need to kind of sell what you want to do differently to your senior stakeholders, to your peers, and possibly even to your reports. So the influence part we get into is, are you having the difficult conversations or... They might not even be difficult, but just the critical conversations. Are you having those key conversations with the right people mm-hmm. to be able to level up how you use your time? And often that's not happening. And so we get stuck.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I see that a lot. And, you know, of course, you're hitting reports, which is a bit of a sweet spot for me. I see a lot of need for that conversation you just described. But um, influence, so tactics and influence, what else?
0: Yeah. So then we have Mindset. And uh, mindset is, you know, is really the fact that what we think is true is, creates the world that we live. So, what we believe is necessary, desirable, and possible that mm-hmm. actually shapes the way we look at things. That's why I hear leaders go, you know, uh, they'll say things like, um, you know, I just, I, I've, I literally right now, I have, I, I can't make, I can't free up the time, I can't do it. Right? It's right now. It's really important for me to be doing X or. You know, I'm just, it's just not the moment. It's crazy busy. It's going to get quiet in the next quarter. All these kind of lies that we tell ourselves. (laughs) Um, I'd have to say we're perfectly busy. Yes. Um, We're perfectly busy. We're as busy as we've decided to be. Uh, And and when people go, no, no, that's not true. You don't understand my situation, Richard. I've got my my board, my managers, my stakeholders. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, you you don't, you need to take the ownership for this. We have decided that this is our priority right now. And we need to just decide, is that based on reality? Or is that based on just our thinking about about how we see things at the mm. moment?
1: Mm. Mm. No, I really particularly loved that chapter. I thought, uh, I'm not going to obviously go there just now. We'll wait till we get to talking about it in more depth. But the way you talked about that business of being perfectly busy really rang a big bell for me.
0: Mm. No, I did like to push people because a lot of my clients, they're you know, very high achievers. They feel they have total mm. ownership and total self-responsibility. Mm. And then when it comes to this question of time, uh, and they'll kind of go, oh, you know, it's just crazy right now. It's crazy. And it's like, well, how are you creating that craziness? No, no, you don't understand, Richard. It's like, whoa, 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 how are we getting into victim thinking at this point? You know, are you saying, yeah, it's not my fault, poor old me? It's just a crazy world.
1: I'm um, only the so, CEO.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I, I love to push them on that. Uh, I love to push them, and and so the issue here is that sometimes we're often driven. Our behaviors are, are, are being driven by our identity, the way we see ourselves, where we see other people, and that's the mindset issue. Mm,
1: mm, mm. And, and the very last bit of time, what is it?
0: Yeah, so the very last bit of time is, is environment. So we need to be setting up, first of all, environment for ourselves to operate effectively, but also for our, our broader team. And, and even our, if we're in senior leadership, perhaps the whole company Because so many companies, um, I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were complaining, they were saying, you know what, we've got messages, emails going, we've got WhatsApp messages, we've got Microsoft Team threads, it's impossible to know what's going on. We're expected to have notifications on all the time, so everyone's distracted permanently. Uh, It's so hard to kind of focus. And so that kind of culture of busy work and... I see it as people describe it as we're being agile and flexible, but actually it's just chaos, right? It's just, we're all rocking and rolling, trying to do things out. But an organization, there's massive inefficiencies uh, when that's when that kind of knee-jerk reaction becomes the norm. And so if the whole organization is full of people being super, super busy, stuck in the weeds, and not putting themselves out to really align, then you have a problem. So environment is the area of how do I as a leader shape the culture of uh, immediately around me, around my team, and around the broader organization, so that we can come from this place of stillness and being more
1: strategic. Mm, mm. No, that's that's fantastic. That's that's really practical. And you know, the the idea of it almost sounds unachievable until you start getting into the steps that I think you, you're going to share with people. So, you know, mm. you start with tactics. I think for pretty good reasons. Talk to us a little bit about that and. Let us know some more of what you've got in mind there.
0: Yeah, well, so, so starting with tactics is, is often for many people the best place to start because actually, like with anything, unless you know any journey, you need to know where are you're starting from, where do you want to go, uh, and how, how long is it going to take you to get there, and then start to do some of the practical things to go from A to B. And so tactics is a great place for everybody. However, it's not always for everybody. Um, the reason for that is perhaps for somebody, they might actually be pretty have their tactics pretty nailed in, but their, their influence isn't really creating the results that they need. Or actually, they need to, they're actually perfectly really, really strategic, but they need to address their organization first if they're going to make further progress. Uh, or again, somebody else, it might be their mindset that's the first place to start, because right now they don't even believe they can make any more time for strategy. And so the book actually has a bit of a, a choose your own adventure path built into it. Uh, when I was a kid, I used to love these kind of uh, stories that, you know, you would read um, the first paragraph and then it would give you a choice of what you wanted to do next. You know, if you wanted to open this door, turn to page 59. If you wanted to you know, move on to the next place, go to page 52. And, um, and so the book's a bit like that. You can uh, you can jump straight into tactics and work your way sequentially through the book or you can jump into whichever part is the most relevant. And there's even actually a little quiz. Um, which is on the the main book website at makingtimeforstrategy.com. We actually just answer 20 questions and it will give you, first of all, a quick assessment about what is your um, Making Time for Strategy score, right? So just roughly where are you on this journey of being more strategic? And and secondly, which is perhaps the number one place you might want to start? Uh, And so it's not always tactics, but I think... For many people, tactics is a great place to start and um, and just getting clear about about what the game is and and, and what's it going to take is is often a good first step. So I think we can talk about that one next time and then take it from there.
1: No, that sounds fabulous. And, you know, if I think of my own adventure with this sort of productivity strategic improvement a game, I suppose, I think what I've realised from listening to you speak there is the only things I had done were tactics. And I had missed actually all of the other things. And, you know, that got me some distance, but it wasn't nearly enough. So um, now I'm really excited to take everyone um, with you on this on this actually, journey.
0: Dad, I think you've really nailed something there. That's often that's so often what happens. It's in anyway why I wrote the book, because people often go, you know, I've done all the productivity advice. I've gone through those 99 tips I found online about all the things <laughs> I can do with my Gmail and filters yes. and, and batch things and all that. And I deal with some of that stuff in the book, but but it's still too much. And it's because we haven't looked at those other things, right? We still feel the obligation by our peers, our stakeholders, our boss, by the company we're in, you know, we've, and, and even by ourselves, we still feel that need to do things in a certain way. And that's what's holding us back.
1: Exactly. It just tidies up what's in front of us. It doesn't give us any anything more than an incremental shift, I think. Uh, at least that was my experience. And then I I got quite stumped and I was like, what on earth do I do now? And then we started talking and went, oh, that's what I do. So, um, and that's probably a good note to segue um, to the, you know, I guess to close out today's um, conversation. So um, if you're looking for the show notes, you can go to xquadrant.com slash podcast. And uh, we very much look forward to talking to you again very soon to talk about some more tactics. Thank you so much, Richard.
0: Thanks. David S. Speak soon. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Now let's talk about you. When you're in top leadership, when you're in the biggest role of your career, who supports you at a deep level as you lead others? Who helps you multiply your impact and get to the next level? If you're ready to learn more about our content, our coaching and our community, then visit us at xquadrant.com.